I want to talk this morning about the law. And uh, I'm not talking about the laws of this country because if you don't stop at a stop sign, of course, you're going to get a ticket. But I'm going to talk about the Mosaic Law. Are we as Christians to keep the Mosaic Law? And I was very surprised when I started to look at this how many different variants there are in Christianity pertaining to keeping the law, not keeping the law, keeping certain laws, not keeping certain laws, and so forth. And I really wasn't aware that this is a, a sticking point. There are, are whole denominations that, for example, will keep the Sabbath and you know, because it's in the law and Jesus talked about the Sabbath and so on. But there are numerous rules in the law. For example, the dietary laws. Those people that say, okay, we are to keep the law as Christians, I don't believe really do keep the law because the dietary requirements, uh, for example, part of their diet could be crickets and grasshoppers and things of that nature. And even those that you know, say they should keep the law, I don't really see them integrating those things in their diet. Now, for example, the Sabbath, the Sabbath, there was no traveling on the Sabbath as far as the Bible's concerned. So that means that you couldn't ride to church if that were the case. You couldn't come to church if you had to, to ride somewhere. Uh, you couldn't go to the market. They were prohibited to go to the market. There was no trading on the Sabbath, so that means that if you would go to put gas in your vehicle, that's a form of trade. You couldn't uh, you know, do that. You couldn't do any purchasing at, at the market and so forth. So to keep the Sabbath meant there would be no work. And another thing that I was looking at in uh, the law, it says that you can't light a fire during the Sabbath, which means to me that if you go home and you turn on your barbecue grill, you're lighting a fire. It's a different means, but it's still you're lighting a fire, and you couldn't do that on the Sabbath. So those that espouse that you are to keep the Sabbath holy, and you know that was Saturday according to the Jewish calendar, even them, they don't really keep it because anyone who broke the law of the Sabbath, it was punishable by death. So we don't see that happening. So in the law, the Mosaic law, these are some of the things you could be put to death for. Cursing you know, your, your, against your, your parents, committing adultery, blaspheming the Lord, taking the Lord's name in vain, and doing work on the Sabbath. Any of those you could be put to death for. Now, Leviticus, as far as the Bible's concerned, I think Leviticus is the least read and the most misunderstood book in the Bible. And the more you get into Leviticus and start reading it, you see there's all types of typology going on there from you know, what, what is written and how that relates to you and I as Christians. So law, a law is a form uh, of... Uh, like a set, you're setting up rules to govern a society. The Mosaic Law was given to govern the Jewish society. That's why it was instituted. 
for the Jewish society. Now, if you would take some of the laws that they did, or they were to abide by, it wouldn't even apply to many of the, the countries in the world today. And many, you know, for example, dealing with slavery and, and so forth. So when people say, and I have actually heard people, they've said this to me, that were Christians, that you're to keep the law. What they do is they will pick and choose certain things from the Old Testament that they believe applies, you know, to today, and that's what they keep. They don't keep the whole law. Paul says that the law was given to show the people their sin. That's one of the things he says. Now, turn to Acts. We'll start with Acts 15. Now, this is nothing new. In the very beginning, uh, this is around 50 A.D. here in Acts 15. Uh, you know, there were those who came. They were Jewish believers who came and said, you must keep the Moses, law of Moses and the Mosaic law and so forth in order to be saved. In verse 1, and certain men came down from Judah and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So this was what they were teaching. This is what they said. Verse 2, therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small uh, dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So, and you go down to verse 8 here. So, we think that this is something new dealing with keeping certain laws. They had to deal with this right away in, in the early church. Uh, verse 8, so God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Gentiles, just as he did us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now go down to verse 24. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your soul, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. Verse 28. Now this was their decision. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, and so forth, sexual immorality. So they're telling them you need to begin to, to live right. But as far as the law and to be circumcised, to be saved, their judgment was no. Now, if we say, no, we are not to keep the law, then what about stealing? What about murder? What about adultery? What about all these different things in the commandments? You know, are we to keep those or are we not to keep those? And we're going to look at that in a minute. Now, in the law, you had the dietary laws, you had the sacrificial laws in Leviticus, they had the five different sacrifices that they had to, to do and so forth. And then you had... The basic breakdown of the law, I'm not going to write this down. The law, and you might want to jot this down, the law is broken down into three basic areas. First of all, the ceremonial law, and that would be in Leviticus, the sacrificial system, the dietary laws, and so forth. 
The second is the, the judicial law or the civil law, and that would be that which was imposed on the Jewish nation alone. Their civil laws applied to them alone. And then you had the third breakdown, and that's the moral law, and that's dealing with the Ten Commandments. So when we say the law has passed away, uh, that's partially true, but there's something else that's moving much deeper than all this surface stuff, keep, don't keep. I had a friend of mine that he was big into the Levitical dietary laws because he was a vegetarian and, and that was his, his thing. And he'd always tell me about, oh, this is better for you and healthier for you and so on and so forth. Well, that might be the case, but he was not keeping the law. So he was, he was taking that one aspect and say, I'm going to keep this, but everything else I'm going to push aside. Now, in the Old Testament, before I go any further, are we to keep the moral law? No stealing, no committing adultery, and so forth. Now, the answer to that, and I'll bring this out in a little bit, the answer is yes, and the answer is no. It depends on where you are. <laughs> are we to keep the moral law? See, people feel safe under the structure of the law rather than the leading of the Spirit in their life. It's easier to go to the Bible and say, oh, I'm going to do this, don't do that, do this, don't do this, don't do that, I can do this, than to allow the Spirit of God to take you into another spiritual realm where Jesus functioned. Jesus dealt, and we'll look at this, he dealt with various aspects of the commandments dealing with the scribes and the Pharisees, but his interpretation of the law was totally different than theirs. And even dealing with the rich, rich young ruler, he saw things quite different than the rich young ruler. Now, in before we get this, this thought here, the law, I believe the purpose of the law was to take a person into relationship with the Lord. Because you see this with the prophets. They dealt with the law, but yet it wasn't do this, don't do that. For example, Hosea, he went out and married a harlot. That's against the law. So in his life, the Lord dealt with him in such a way and he would hear the Spirit, and then he would move accordingly. So he was not bound in the law. He was living in a different place than where the law was, was holding people, if you understand what I'm trying to say. But see, in the Old Testament, in, in Exodus, there's a pattern. The pattern was that they were saved by the blood of, of the lamb, the, the sacrificial lamb. And then the second thing you see there is that they were um, redeemed from slavery. And that's in the natural that happened. But see, in the spiritual, that is to take place in the life of a Christian. You are to be redeemed by the blood, and then you are to be set free 
from your bondage. Now that places a person in a different position than they were before. So now, in spirit, they can learn from the Lord and he can teach them and he can lead them and he can guide them so that the law is not dictating to them, but it is the spirit of God that is leading and guiding them. Now turn to Deuteronomy 6. The basis for keeping the law is in Deuteronomy 6. Verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So that is the basis that they had to start off with as far as the law. And many of the scribes and the Pharisees did not love the Lord God with all their heart, mind, and soul. Now in Romans, I'll read this. It says, But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why, Paul says? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. And Paul also says in another portion of Scripture, he says, by the works of the law shall no man be justified. No man. So if we set out to be justified before the Lord by, by um, keeping laws... You know, you are not justified before the Lord. That's what Paul says. Now, there's an interesting scripture in Galatians, and I want to just show you this. Galatians 5. Hold your place there and go to Matthew 19. Now, I was thinking about Abraham, and it says that Abraham was justified by faith. See, Abraham was not under the law, because this was 430 years, it says, uh, before the law came, Abraham was justified by faith. So if you look at what Abraham did, he took his son and went up to the mount, and he was going to offer him for a burnt offering. Now, if you go back to Leviticus, Leviticus says that you're not to, to, to put your children through the fire. So Abraham was doing something that was contrary to the law that was going to be given you know, by Moses. So what's going on here? So Abraham was justified by faith. See, by faith. Now, in Matthew, I want to show you this because this is really important. Matthew 17. Now, this is when uh, the, the certain rich man, the rich young ruler, comes to Jesus. In verse 17, so he said to him, Why do you call me good? This is Jesus speaking. 
No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into, uh, into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these things have I kept from my youth. So Jesus is going to get to the heart of this man, and he says, if you want to enter into life, this is where you need to start. You need to start honoring your, your father and mother and so forth, all these different things he mentions from, from the Ten Commandments. Okay? So the guy says, in verse 20, he says, what do I still lack? So even though he kept these things from his youth, he still knew inside, in his heart, in his spirit, that he was lacking something. And, and that's actually quite something because many times people don't see their lack. You know, we don't see our lack many times. But he knows even though he did this, he's lacking something. So in verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, now he's not talking about life here. He says, you do these things, okay, you'll enter into life, this will be a beginning point. But now... If you want to be perfect, that's something different. Uh, if you want to have growth of character, then you need to do this, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, take up your cross, and follow me. So Jesus now is directing him away from the law to something that is higher, a place that he could go to, spiritually speaking, to where he will be functioning in a totally different way and having, or, or I should say, maybe having the opportunity to have a maturity, to have a, more of the character of the Lord placed in him, however you want to say that. And so, so Jesus directs him that way. So if, if I were to draw a line here on the board... And I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's okay. And we'll say that this is the law. What does Paul say about the law? He says, the letter, and he's talking about the law. Remember, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisee. He went out and he, he tried to keep the commandments. And so he says, the letter killeth. If you're going to stay in that place, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, you're going to miss it. The letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. So that's a completely different place. In James, he talks about the law, and then he talks about the perfect law of liberty. See, there is a law, not this law, the Mosaic law, but there is a law of liberty. He says, we will be judged by the law of liberty so that 
the burden of responsibility comes upon us to hear the Spirit of God and to follow in His steps how He is leading you and myself personally. And so as we hear and as we do, we will be judged according to that law of freedom. For example, uh, the Lord may give you or myself freedom in a certain area to do a certain thing. So that's the law of liberty. But if I say that I have liberty to do such and such, and I don't, or the Spirit of God is not giving me that, then I will be judged by that. That's what James says, James 2. Now, in Galatians 5, So Jesus says here, if you want to be perfect, do such and such. Go sell, you know, remember, he only said that to one person in the entire Bible, the Old Testament. Go sell what you have, give to the poor, follow me. Okay. In Matthew 4, 4, it says, man shall live not, not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And that's a present participle, and, and this is how it should read. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that is presently proceeding out of the mouth of God. And you can see that in Deuteronomy 8.1, where the Lord says, you need to do these commandments that I'm giving you today, right now. So, see, the Spirit of God will lead you and guide you into all truth. So, you are to live not by the law but by what is presently proceeding out of the mouth of God to you, whatever that may be. See, so the Lord's going to show you something, you know, that's for you, that's not for you, you do this, you go here, you, you, you know, whatever it may be. And as he shows you that, you know, in, in, your, in your walk with him, that is what is proceeding out of the mouth of God to you. You may read the scripture, and the Lord may show you something pertaining to your life, and you know it. Well, that is proceeding out of the mouth of God to you. That is what man is to live by. Now, in Galatians 5, and as far as I'm concerned, this really sums it up. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, see, the Spirit is going to lead you from a beginning point. Now, I believe when we're all saved, first saved, we look at things as, you know, don't touch this, don't do this, don't do that, you know, don't go here, don't go there. That's fine. That's a starting point. But remember, the Spirit is going to lead you, and He's going to guide you, and he's going to take you from a beginning point. He's going to take you to a different place. So he says here, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So you can read it this way. If you are not led by the Spirit, then you're under the law. That's where you'll be. That's where you'll function. And you see that with many, many, many Christians. So Paul says here, I say then, walk in the Spirit, verse 16, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
So there is a responsibility for me as a Christian to have a heart that is open to the Lord, to allow Him to lead me and guide me in this life. And, and, and by the way, those who don't hear and who are not led by the Spirit will always revert back to the law. Always. And you'll see this with Christians. Until the Lord is able to get through to them and to teach them what it means to be led by the Spirit. See, you need to be in a place where the Lord can lead you. It's because he's going to bring you to this other place where you have spirit and life. I'm not talking about initial salvation. I'm talking about this becomes a way of life for you that you're not down here worrying about the laws. Now, let me ask you this. When you got up this morning, you came to church, were you thinking about, well, today I, I, I shouldn't steal, I shouldn't commit adultery, I shouldn't murder? Were you thinking about that this morning? I hope not. See, why weren't we thinking about that? See, because we're not down here anymore. Jesus said, I have not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. So as you hear the Spirit of God, and you allow Him to lead you, then you, as a Christian, begin to fulfill the law. I'm not even concerned about the Ten Commandments. I don't think about the Ten Commandments. It doesn't have any, I mean, it's, rel, rel, it's relative if I'm doing something that's wrong. But if, if I'm walking with God, I don't even think about that stuff. And you shouldn't be either. So, so there is an aspect, I said before, should we keep the law? Should we keep the Ten Commandments? Well, the answer is yes and no. The answer is yes because... If we're living down here, we're not being led by the Spirit, then that's a starting point. We better keep the law. But if we are walking in the Spirit, like Paul is saying to the Galatians, then we don't need to be concerned about that. It's not that we're breaking those laws. It's that they're not even in the picture because the Lord has brought us to a different place and we're walking with Him in that. Now, in Matthew 5... I had some scriptures uh, here, so I wouldn't have to uh, look them up. I'll read a few, in a few in a minute or two. In Matthew 5, Jesus illustrates this. And I want to show you this. <clears throat> the scribes and the Pharisees had a certain view of the law. Their interpretation of the law was much different than Jesus' interpretation of the law. See, they studied it all the time. But see, studying it doesn't really necessarily mean that you're going to get it. 
You know, you can read the Bible all the time. There's a lot of cults that read the Bible all the time. That doesn't mean you're going to catch certain things in spirit. And, and secondly, it doesn't mean that you're going to actually walk in certain things. It takes a work of the Spirit of God in us to walk a certain way. Without that, I don't think we could, we could make it as Christians. Now, in Matthew 5, verse 21, you have heard that it, it, it was said you know, to those of old, excuse me, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. So Jesus equates anger with murder here. See, no, no, thou shalt not murder is down here. Now he's moving that to a totally different place. He said, now if you're angry, see, because the root of the murder is the anger. There's a root there. And if you're going to walk in the Spirit, you will find out that the Lord will get to the root of things in you. you will, you'll find out that He will start to put His finger on certain things in your life that you thought were okay, and He says, no, this has to go. I'm going to deal with this now. This has to get out of the picture. Now, in verse 27... Same thing. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So once again, he takes one of the Ten Commandments, the moral law, and he says, okay, now if you want to function in a totally different place, this is the root. If you look and lust, it's the same as committing adultery. And I'm sure that when he said some of these things, they were shocked, shocked. You know, some of you that may have had a background in a church that, you know, worked and moved according to the letter of the law, if you would have heard that, you said, what in the world? What's he talking about? Verse 38 You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. So the eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, that's in the law, that's down here. But now if you're going to turn the other cheek, well, that's something different. You can't turn the other cheek without the Spirit of God at work in you. So when somebody comes and spits in your face, how, how are you going to deal with that? Are you going to punch him out? Is the old man going to rise up in you? So if somebody comes over and, you know, kicks you, what are you going to do? Smack him one? Turn the other leg, I mean the cheek. See, that's, it's easy to read these things. But it's going to take a work of the Spirit in our life to function in this place here that Jesus is talking about. My words, they are spirit and they are life. It's going to take quite a work 
Now in verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that spitefully use you and persecute. Now, how in the world are you going to do that? That's a pretty tall order. If you're going by the letter of law, you're not going to do it. You don't know uh, sometimes what the Lord has done in you until the circumstance is upon you. And I was at work one time, and this guy came on the work floor, and he was mocking me and you know, going on and on about me being a Christian. And I, this is the truth. I was loving it. I was just smiling, and I just, I, I didn't want him to stop. I know I'm a little strange, but he's just talking, a Christian in the Bible, go read your Bible, go work, and, you know, quote the scripture. He's going on and on and on. And I just stood there and looked at him and said to him when, I, when he was done, I said, you know, that's the gospel you're mocking is what you need. But the point was that how can you love your enemies? So the Lord put me in that position there with him. This was not just a one-time thing. This happened several times with him in different places. And I had nothing in my heart against the man. Nothing. Nothing. I tried to help him. But see, unless we're put in certain circumstances... We don't know what the Lord has done. Maybe he's done a work in your life, and he's brought you out from the law where, you know, it's an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You know, where we all functioned at one time. Now, you, you do something to me, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Like the one guy, I did nothing to the man, and he ended up putting three nails in three tires of my, my car, three different tires at a different time, not all at the same time. Didn't bother me. I went and got them fixed. I mean, I didn't like it, but the point is, there has to be something in us the Lord does for us to be able to move in a different place. It says in Romans, uh, I think it's 8, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death, he's talking about the, the Mosaic law. For the law of the spirit of life. So up here, you have the law of liberty. You have the law of the spirit of life. They function up here, not down here. If you're going to keep the laws, you're going to try keeping the Sabbath, you know, you're going to be functioning in a much lower place than the Lord wants. It's not that the person's not saved. That's not it at all. It's just they're moving in a totally different place, a different plane. And the Lord here in Matthew is dealing with them, to show, trying to show them that oh, down here is the law. But what I'm telling you is up higher, and it's going to take a work of the Spirit in your life. Certain things must go. Certain things must be placed in. And when that occurs, now you're going to be able to walk in the Spirit, like Paul says, and, and in walking in the Spirit you are going to discover certain things in your life. You will find out you know, what the Lord has for you that you didn't know, and you're going to find out what the Lord has done in you that you may have not known. All these different things. You're going to discover certain things. 
Now turn to Galatians 3. Galatians 3, verse 19. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come, meaning of Jesus, to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. And that's what I was talking about when I was talking about Abraham. He was justified by faith, not by the law. And the Jews, you know, they believe their seed of Abraham, but see, they are not being justified by faith. They're not having faith in Jesus Christ. Rather, they're, they're staying in the law. And by the way, they do not keep the law either because the sacrificial system has been abolished since 70 AD. They're, they're not keeping that. They're keeping the other laws to some degree, but they're not keeping that. Verse 24, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. I want to read that from another translation here. I don't have it in another translation. Okay. So it says in verse 24 that the law was our tutor, and in verse 25, but after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, meaning you're not under the law. Now, that does not mean that a Christian can't put themselves under the law. But as far as uh, the redemption that Christ has brought, he has brought us out from that to operate in a totally different place than the law. It doesn't mean you, you have liberty to commit adultery or to steal. You understand what I'm saying, right? Yes? Okay, good, good. Okay, I want to show you this scripture here. Go to 2 Corinthians. I looked up these words in the Greek, and I want to show you them in 2 Corinthians, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 3. Now, depending upon your translation, I'll, I'll give you the King James and the New King James. Verse 7. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, he's talking about the Mosaic Law, so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. Verse 11, where if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Verse 13, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the the end of what was passing away. Now, in the New King James, verse 7, 
uses the word was passing away. And that's translating one Greek verb. Verse 11 uses is passing away. Verse 13 is using uh, was passing away. In the, in the King James, verse 7 is done away with. Verse 11 is done away with. Verse 13 is abolished. Now, that Greek verb means, and Paul was talking about the law, it means to cause to cease, to put an end to, to do away with, or to abolish. So Paul says that three times here in, in these three verses, that that was passing away. It's going to be abolished. Now, in Romans, and this will be the last scripture, Romans 3, Verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. See that, apart from the law. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So, the righteousness, there's a righteousness that God will reveal to you. It says in, in maybe, I don't know if it's in maybe Romans 3, I'm not sure. It says that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So we all, today, here, are on a certain level of faith. We have a certain level of faith. Now when the Lord comes and he maybe gives us something that's going to require us to have more faith to move in. And we say, Lord, I can't do that. Maybe he says to you, I want you to teach kids. Oh, my goodness, that's the worst thing you could say. I teach kids. I can't do that. But, Lord, because you have shown me that I'm to teach, I'll go ahead and do that. So you go ahead and you start to teach these kids. So now you are operating here on this level of faith and the Lord comes with something that is higher and when you begin to believe God in that, the righteousness of God will begin to be revealed to you. It's revealed from faith to faith. And so the Israelites, they were not moving in faith toward God. And Jesus dealt with the scribes and the Pharisees time and time again, trying to get them out from where they were down here on this level. You know, taste not, touch not, handle not, you know, all these things pertaining to the law. Jesus said, okay, you're interested in the outside of the cup, but you're not, you know, you're washing the hands and the eyes, but on the inside, it's filthy. And so Jesus says this, he says, to the, I don't remember who he said this to. Was it the multitudes? He says that if your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. For the letter killeth, but the spirit bringeth or giveth life. So Galatians 3 here, 
the verse that we looked at before, 5.18. But if you are led by the Spirit, this is the verse I want to leave you with. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You're moving in a totally different place. If you are not led of the Spirit, you're under the law. So those people who constantly go back to the law, we have to keep this, we have to keep that, we have to keep this, we have to keep that. If you observe their life, you will see that they're not being led by the Spirit. They're looking to the law, looking to the law. And Paul says, no, 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 no. No, you you can't do that. You need to walk in the Spirit. If you are led by the Spirit, and by the way, that, that verb led is passive. So it means the Lord is the one that's doing the leading. If you are led by the Spirit, if that's going to be your mode of operation, Christian, then you will not be under the law. You will not be. It's, it's just very clear cut. So don't let anybody try to entangle you with keeping this, that, and the other thing. Use the words of Paul. You know, take that in. And what Jesus was trying to teach in Matthew 5, and be led by the Spirit. Because if you're led by the Spirit, you'll be okay. You won't be under the law. And let those who want to argue and try to, to, you know, bring out the law and have you function in the law and so forth, let them, you know, do their own thing. You walk in the Spirit. Okay, thank you.